Good day, friends. Welcome to Our Power is Within podcast. I'm your host, Chasmith, and my mission for this podcast is to inspire you to take your power back and to realize that you are the healer that you have been looking for all along. Healing is possible in mind, body, and soul. I don't know about you, but this has been an amazing past week for me. It started a little bumpy, (laughs) but it has smoothed out better than I could imagine. Um, Last Tuesday night, my brother, me, and the dog all hit the road to head north for a family road trip up to Illinois so that my brother and I could see our extended family. And it is my first time to come see them since 2018, so this was long overdue. The road trip is what had some bumps along the way because, you know, it was our first time traveling so far with uh, my dog, Coconut, but uh, we learned a lot and yeah, I learned a lot about my travel preferences in a car and road trips and distance traveling and all kinds of good stuff and how to support my dog better along the ride. Um, And on either account, we made it safe and sound. So there's that. So since I've been here with my family, I've just felt this abundant sense of peace and love radiate through me. Like I missed them more than I knew and I love them all so much. Um, We're a crazy bunch. We are. We can be loud and chatty and we all come. I mean, me, my family, and all of humanity, we all come imperfectly, perfectly flawed, quote, quote unquote, if that's how you want to call it, flaws, right? But as you're going to hear more today, through our guest experience of, of humanity in the world and the universe is we're actually just all perfect, exactly as we are. So we have come to learn to judge and label uh people, things, situations, life, each other, ourselves as flawed. We judge good, wrong, bad, right. And uh, there's so much complexity behind all this. But I, the truth is of the matter is just being here with them, I, I don't know. It's like the first time that I just feel just no judgment, you know, and, and Hey, I'm going to admit it. Like my family, we're a judgy bunch. Like I learned, I learned judgment like in my family, (laughs) but it's been just so cool to be together and just not even notice or see any quote unquote flaws, but to just like see the beauty and the perfection that's our guest. Um, Scott Robinson is our guest today. I'm going to get more into that, but there's that perfection that he talks about. I really think that the past few conversations that I've had with him have really helped me to begin to shift my perspective in how I see um, myself and those around me. And it's been an absolute gift that he's given me to take into this experience this week with my family. Um, so as I already mentioned, our guest is Scott Robinson and Scott known is known in the uh, social media world on Facebook and Instagram as the brain guy. Um, 
if you don't already follow him, I really encourage you to do so because he literally provides so much wonderful free content that really supports our healing journey and can really help give us a perspective shift, which I just think is such a beautiful gift. Um, I had a pleasure of talking to him not once, but twice, two really beautiful conversations just before I left for this trip. And like I already said, I just, I really think I've been able to take what he said in these conversations into my experience so much this week and and just see things in a different light. Um, Scott himself is a gift and he's got this beautiful, inspiring and empowering way to view life and the world all around us. I just love him as a human (laughs) and he's the most wonderful joy to talk to. If you've never had a conversation with him, do it. It's, it's honestly an experience. It really is. He, he shows up fully and he's present and he's, so wise. Um, every time I talk to him, I just feel like my mind expands in new ways that I can't even really conceptualize. So yeah. Um, I've just had this trip. I know that I'm experiencing positive results from our last chat and it's been awesome. It's been really cool to sit back and observe these shifts and see how it's impacted my ability to show up and relate to my family. It's, it's a true gift. Um, And I'm really excited to share this conversation with you guys today. And I really hope that you can get get, uh, out of it some of the magic that's shared in this episode. Um, Scott's been on the episode or on the podcast before. He was on episode 19, very far back, right? Um, Since we're at 101 today. So I just encourage you to go back and give that one a listen if you haven't already. And if you have, if, you, if you've been with me since the beginning and you listened to it um, all the way back then when it first came out, give it a second listen because I get something out of it every time I listen. I mean, just doing the edits for today's episode, I got something also out of re-listening to this conversation we just had. Um. I want to warn you, it starts out heavy. It does. It starts out a little heavy, a little theoretical, but it's a very juicy conversation. And the more we get into it, the more um, practical examples we give and the more he breaks down some really simple action steps for us to all begin to take, um, especially towards the end. So stick around and let the magic unfold. Um, And yeah, yeah. If you feel compelled or called to do so, reach out to me or Scott and just let us know what your thoughts are. All right, you guys, I have Scott back with us for round two. Um, Thanks for being here, Scott. Oh, Chasmus, it's so lovely to be back and get to chat again. I really, I really did enjoy that chat last time and equally looking forward to just seeing what unfolds in this space here today now. Yeah, it's crazy. 80 episodes ago. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, <laughs> but time just sometimes passes. <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm um, excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad. Thank you. So I have lots of fun questions for you. I know that we've recently chatted ourselves and after our chat, I did a nice beach walk and I really let some of the things that you shared with me sink in. And then I had some questions bubble up. Hmm. <laughs> so, so my mind is like boggling, boggled by some of the things we talked about. So I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about truth. And I kind of want to lead right into that because you 
said to me that truth has to be three things. It has to be absolute, universal, and eternal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I don't know if maybe I'm just far, like my mind is just going too far out in the left field um, with this, but maybe I'm being too absolute, um, although truth has to be absolute. But I guess I want to kind of have you explain how this this concept of truth that we all in this life cling to or attach true uh, attached to and how if there's no other truth other than absolute universal and eternal truth then what we've all come to believe as truth what is that is it just belief hmm all right. Good chat. Good start. So let's kind of strip it right back because where we're at in our society is I would just say exactly what you said yeah, absolutely is true. So truth is only that which is absolute. So it's 100% true. It's unequivocal. It's just, it's absolutely true. There's there's just, there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. It's universal, which would mean that wherever you take it in the universe, it's still going to be true. It's just, it's unwavering. And truth is eternal. It's, it's unchanging and that's what eternal things are. Eternal things are changeless. They, they, that's, and that's what makes them real. That's what makes things real. If it's true, it's real. If it's real, it's true. And eternal things do not change. Illusions change, real things don't. So truth is, as you said, absolute, universal and eternal. And as soon as you start talking in those terms, it becomes really clear, like, hang on, we don't actually have a lot of that in our civilization. That's not something that we readily have or readily do. Like we jump to things and then we have these different concepts where people run around saying no no this is my truth and then that's your truth and and this one this is true for me and that's true for you and the idea that every single one of us has our own individual truth and that's right that's the first law of chaos that's literally the first law of chaos that there's a there's a an infinite number of different truths out there and somehow each every single one of them is right Really what you describe when you say, I have my truth, is you're saying, well, no, I perceive, my perception is incredibly partial and really limited and probably very inaccurate. But what I perceive, I believe, because my belief system made that perception in the first place, and I'm going to tell myself that is true because I'm paying attention only to that which comes into my awareness in that cone of perception, in that that sensory range. So what I'm able to actually perceive. And if I if I describe that by saying I have a really traumatic situation, so I have a situation that I feel really emotionally charged and it really doesn't feel to me like there's any other emotions or anything else going on in that moment other than what feels really traumatic and really triggering and really charging. It's really easy for people to look at that and say, well, this is a bad situation, clearly, because that's all I can feel. And I'm looking around and I can't feel anything else. All I can perceive is just badness, just bad feelings, lower lower level emotions. So you know what? I feel really confident in labeling this situation bad. And so I just give meaning to the situation. Then I tell myself that's the truth because that's what I what I experienced. And then as soon as I encode it to memory, well, now I look at it as a historical record because it's in my memory. I look at it and say, look, well, that's absolute. That's 100% true because it's in my memory. Like that's We don't question that. But your memory is not a record of anything real. Your memory is literally just a collection of your perceptions and your perceptions, as we said, are incredibly partial. So you can only perceive just a fraction of a percentage of the information that's involved in any given moment. And you think the universe exists in oneness. 
So if the universe exists in oneness, then you and I are just sitting here having conversation. We don't even have any video going. We've just got audio going. And so it's just the auditory stimulus that we're both receiving. We're both receiving auditory sensory stimulus and we're sitting here trying to just make sense of that auditory stimulus and we listen to the tone of voice and we listen to the words and we perceive them, we try and make sense of them. And then we judge the situation and say, this is helpful or this is good or it's nice or maybe we say it's something else. But we feel that we can really confidently judge what's going on in the situation based on just that limited small amount that we're perceiving. But the truth is what goes into this moment is an inconceivable amount of information because if the universe exists in oneness, which it does, then what makes up this moment is everything that's happening in the universe in this very moment. Now, we're aware of things like quantum entanglements, which means we know that we are quantum entangled to other people, other places, other things in this moment. And we don't physically see those connections. We don't necessarily perceive them, but we're aware of this of quantum entanglement as a, as a concept. So we know that we are actually in connection with other things. And the truth is we're in connection with everything. So if we're in connection with everything and this moment is connected to everything, then what gives meaning to this moment? What make, what what gives us the truth of this moment is how this moment fits into the grander scheme within the universe itself. So you and I, we're just a little, we're just a small piece. We're just a small little piece of that puzzle. And the part, the piece itself cannot give meaning to the whole. The whole gives meaning to the part. So we can't know what this means just by listening to what's going on in this moment or seeing what's going on in this moment because we're just a tiny little piece. If we were somehow able to have all the information in the universe and understand and then look and see this tiny little moment that we're sharing and then go, ah, oh, I can see those two beautiful little individuals and I can see what they're doing and I can see where these words are going Ah, oh, and I can see who it's going to help. And oh, okay, right. Now I can see where that moment fits into the grander scheme. And now it has meaning because we can see how it fits in line with everything else in that eternal, in that universal perfection. So the idea that we all have an individual truth is very much just that individual perception and then buying into it and giving it meaning to you telling, you telling yourself that you know exactly what it is that you're perceiving. And that's precisely how we get ourselves stuck. That's precisely how we get ourselves into like dealing with traumas and dealing with wounds because we've gone through our life with just this very limited amount of, of perception, assigning meaning to things and then telling ourselves that it's true. And then as soon as we tell ourselves that it's true, well, now we're responding to that. We're responding to this false meaning that we've just made up. Like we've literally just gone and made that up in in the moment. And like basically we've, we've made up what we believe has happened in that moment, told ourselves it's true, and then we're responding to that. And we're, that's how we're, how we're going through learning the world. We're learning the world via limitation and via these experiences and just via, perception, via our perception, again, which is limited and inaccurate. So going back to the, the question, the idea that we have an individual truth is just really false and that's just literally what takes us to chaos. And that's what, again, that's how you kind of keep yourself removed from that universal perfection or removed from flow or from that flow state where you go into harmony with, you know, the universe's perfect plan for you and you're manifesting abundance and joy and peace and all of that stuff because you're just literally running along, kind of running your own race. And I really like Deepak Chopra's words on this is that I remember him saying years ago that, you know, the universe exists and there's this beautiful flow and, you know, there's this dynamic perfection and you can call it the universe's perfect plan. And you are absolutely welcome to 
to get involved with that you're welcome to fall into harmony and resonance with that and just and be part of that flow and be and be part of that universal creation or not you don't have to you have free will to choose something else because the universe doesn't need you the universe will literally just continue on in that perfection and it'll be largely unaware that just one tiny little piece has decided to go in a different different direction so we we always have the choice to align with truth but for us to tell ourselves that we know what the truth is or to try and determine what it is you and i none of us make any contribution to eternal truth it's like reality needs no cooperation from you to be itself it's it's already true it's already there it's just up to us whether we want to actually kind of just relax slow down go into harmony with it so when we say truth is only that which is absolute universal and eternal that is absolutely true and it's just really important to look that in our society we just don't have a lot of that and what we have is we align with partial truths or we align with perceptual truths or you know we align with the words of certain people who sound like they resonate to us and it's like i think that could be my truth too and all of us have a connection all of us have a connection all of us have the ability to to at least download truth an aspect of truth in any given moment so we via perception we're not able to download all of that all of the universal truth as in that would i'd call that the sphere of knowledge so knowledge is all the truth in the universe and that's you know that that's what we're saying that that if we would have knowledge we could then understand exactly what our little moment in the universe or what you mean or what i mean and what this moment means because we can see all of the that truth we call that knowledge but you can download an aspect of knowledge and that is literally just getting still get still go within truth will always be found in stillness peace is your guide to truth and when you slow down and ask like what is the truth of this situation what is the truth peace will be the guide what what brings you peace in that moment will allow you to begin to connect with the aspect of truth that aligns you in that moment you'll find you then just start to go into flow you find you can start to have health you can find that your emotions will begin to regulate like things will generally begin to improve and reasonably quickly um, but that's a really simple way of just understanding that we can actually connect with it. We might not get the entirety of all the truth in the universe, but we can get the truth of a moment if we slow down and actually become intentional and ask for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I mean, I have a couple of things, but mm -hmm. one, so maybe when I think of truth, sometimes I also think of, um, I don't know the right word, but you're kind of speaking of truth from kind of this perception belief aspect, right? And I think we talked a little bit about this too, because you said truth is changeless. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of things in this world in our lifetimes that we deem as true based on, say, scientific studies or data or this or that. But then if we're alive long enough, we learn that what we once believed to be true over time changes. Mm. So almost to the point that we almost can't even necessarily rely on any specific um, body of like basic knowledge because a scientific study said it's true, then it must be absolute because if it can change over time, then it was only quote unquote true for a given period of time until something else was proved otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I, I, this is just a mind expanding thought. And so I encourage anyone who's listening to this one, just, just slow down and just let this one in and then just sit with it for as long as you need to. But consider this, science is an approach to understanding what is. 
that's what science is. It's literally, it's an approach to just try and understand the truth of what is. As soon as we go and try and use it or do something with it and try and make predictions based on it, we're doing something else. That's not, that's not classic. That's an applied science of some kind. That's not what science itself actually is. So science is an approach to try and understand what is. Now, the question would be, if truth is absolute, universal and eternal, and it never ever changes and it's, it's, it's absolutely 100% unequivocally true, then think how much what we believe we know, think how much that's changed over time, over the last 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. Now, what is it that we quote unquote know today that in the next 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, 10,000 years isn't going to change? Like there's probably nothing. There's probably nothing that we understand today that isn't going to change slightly. Because again, the way science works is, you know, we will, and science is the official, that's the official truth of civilization. That's, that's the official paradigm by which we say, this is what is true. And really science gives us insights. It gives us information and understanding into, you know, gaining an awareness or or an idea about what is or what might be. But the way we do scientific studies is, you know, we'll get information and we'll, we'll gain an understanding and with a certain level of equipment, a certain level of awareness, you know, a, cer- a certain type of approach. And then a year later, two years later, five years later, somebody else has better equipment and has a different way to design a study and does something different and then says, oh, look at that old study that was done five years ago. We thought it was that, but now we know it's this. It's actually something else. And then we all get excited and go, oh, wow, look, this is the truth. Wow, science just said. And then you know, a year, two years, five years later, the same thing happens again and the, the information shifts again. So if we go back to that con- that concept of truth is only that which is absolute, universal and eternal, then science is giving us good information and it's giving us an understanding into what is or what might be. But strictly speaking, it's not truth because it changes. It's going to change over time. Now, that then sets us free because we're not aligning with a false truth in the moment. Now, I'm not saying go and throw out all of your scientific information because it's given us understanding and everything, but we don't need to go and assign truth to something that's just unfolded in a scientific study because we, we can be really confident it's our understanding of it is going to change over time. And, and I think that's just a really, really important concept to try and get your mind around because we do the exact same thing as I just described via perception. We, we perceive a moment, we assign meaning, and then we tell ourselves that's true. And then we kind of don't look at it. We don't look to change after that. We've set up our meaning. We've set up what we believe is true based on just what we've perceived. And that perception is just really limited. So it's your, it's your faith. It's whatever you hold faith in makes your belief. Your belief system makes your perception. Your perception only goes out and sets about finding that which confirms what you believe is true. So your perception, because your belief system made it, it can only go out there and find the things that you believe are there to perceive. And that's just really important to understand because that means your perception is just going to go and confirm for you that what you believe is right. So you'll perceive what you believe is there to perceive, but you'll believe what you want. You know, you will believe 100% what you want. And so, and that is true in all paradigms. And you'll see that even in science, you know, belief plays a huge part in science, you know, and you'll have lots of people who will only believe scientific scientific information and can have anecdotal evidence and you know all manner of different other evidence but they just won't pay attention to it and vice versa 
vice versa for people who are in the in the alternative space who would just say i want absolutely nothing to do with anything evidence-based and you know it's just you will you will set about believing really what you want what you truly want to align with so what you what you give faith to really makes the power of belief and then that belief will make the appropriate perception that allows you to really double down on that reality so mm-hmm. slowing down and just asking for truth kind of getting neutral and asking for truth can really shift all of that mm-hmm. yeah because i mean you know another thing you and i talked about is how powerful we all are mm. <laughs> and so if we're essentially these powerful beings that have this like really strong ability to create then that makes me wonder like if we are then therefore then if we believe something so strongly essentially we buy into this idea that it is our truth because we believe it so strongly and then we can sometimes see things actually play out as quote unquote again you know tr- what we call truth hmm so and let me just give you this in in healing because this is something that came into my awareness a long time ago and I didn't understand at the time I probably understand it a fair bit more fully now but I can remember noticing it was when, so I'd been working doing neurology and healing things via brain circuitry and healing things via the nervous system. And, and I thought that was absolutely amazing, but I was, I was kind of, you know, I was given freedom within the paradigm I was working to just explore, go and ask for truth, just go and see what, see what is, because, you know, our society, we're really happy to admit that we, we really don't know that much about the brain, that there's just, there's far more about the brain that we don't know than what we do know. So I was really given this freedom to go and explore and, as soon as I began to explore belief, then you notice that there's certain beliefs that are putting you're putting into the into the body that just heal conditions, that just literally just heal the body, heal the mind, heal the emotions, literally just change everything. And it became really clear, really apparent, first and foremost, just how powerful that was, that it was thought, that's like thought energy was underpinning everything in the nervous system. And you know, we've gone and via different paradigms that have their own individual institutional imperatives, as in one really clear and obvious one would be, say, if you look at medical science, medical science holds that there is a physical body and that's it. There's nothing else. It's a physical body. It's separate from other bodies and that's it. So any answers that you're looking for within that paradigm, the institutional imperative would be that it has to be in the physical body. You'll have to find the answer there. And so you'll generally go about as far as the genes. That's kind of as that's kind of the, the deepest level in that paradigm. Now, what I was finding was that that thought energy was literally underpinning all of the hardware, all of the hard wiring, all of the circuits, literally underpinning the organs, underpinning everything. And when you went and changed that, you could get these dramatic changes in the body. And so I was noticing, and I really didn't know much about specific truth or whatever at the time. I just noticed that certain beliefs seemed to be really changing things. And then it became apparent that really healing was just bringing falseness into the light of truth. It was like just bring the falseness that the body's expressing into the light of truth and it literally dissolves. And I would say I can just explain that better now is that there is only truth or illusion. And so this is the thing, when we talk about truth, you your one remaining great freedom that you have in this world is that you are free to decide you have the power of decision always you always 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 have the freedom to just dis- to make a decision but what you have to decide between is really fixed you you can only decide between truth or illusion because that's really all there is and so truth is absolute universal and eternal illusion is something else so we would say that truth is again those three things and it's and it's that and nothing else so if something is 99.9 percent true 
then that by definition is not true. That would be an illusion. And again, if you look at our society, we align with evolving truths and partial truths and individual truths and unfolding truths, and none of that is absolute. So when you when that's what's running in the mind, you're going to create falseness. You're going to create falseness in the body. And when you correct that by just literally bringing that falseness into the light of truth, it literally just dissolves. And that was what I was seeing, and I thought it was it was absolutely mind blowing for me at the time. Um, but the way to explain it is, when we say there is only truth or illusion, well, the way that you dissolve illusions is simply by looking at them without protecting them. If you're prepared to look at an illusion as in something that you've told yourself is true, but it's really not, if you're prepared to look at that without actually protecting it with a story or a narrative that you got running in the mind, or you're protecting it because you need, there's a judgment that's been made somewhere as in you've judged someone else to have done something wrong to you. And Hey, look, I'd really like to get truth, but that person's still wrong. They did something bad. Um, that all of those things would be protecting, that would be protecting the illusion. And then you just don't unfold the truth in that moment. So if you're prepared to look at illusions without protecting them, they will literally just dissolve. And I see that in conditions in the body, in physical body that just seem really hard and fast and fixed. Um, you can literally see these illusions just just evaporate kind of before your eyes, and it's quite an amazing thing. That's interesting, and it's like it, it's. I admit that sometimes it's hard for um, my mind to grasp some <laughs> of it because you say it's all so simple, but yet like our minds have like kind of complicated everything. Mm. Well, just to help with that really quickly, Chasmuth is, and again, and, and we've, we've spoken about this before, is all of this is great. Like we can, we can talk about truth kind of all day long till the cows come home and it's wonderful and it's lovely, but it doesn't change things for us because truth can't be detailed. It can't be explained. Like you can't, I can't sit here and give you just that truth and just talk about it. And then all of a sudden, whatever conditions you're dealing with in the body just disappear or evaporate. It needs to be experienced. Like you need to actually experience that. So, and again, that is something you can only experience via perception. That's how we experience things via our perception, our perceptual awareness. So, and it's your perception that's made by your belief system and your belief system is made by your faith. So you would first need to have just some level of faith that truth is a thing, that truth is a thing and it sets you free. Truth is a thing, sets you free, solves your problems. If you can just hold faith in that, well, then you can make the belief system that will support that. That belief system will make the perception that can perceive that and then you can receive it. But it, it actually starts with, uh, with a level of belief first. You don't get to experience that unless you're prepared to kind of allow it in at, at the level of belief. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So it's interesting. Cause I had this conversation with a friend one day and it went like this. I was just at this place where I felt like no matter which direction you looked, no matter what information you sought, no matter like what experts you went to, it was just so much conflicting information in <laughs> every direction, thousands and thousands upon thousands of conflicting information. And, and, and no matter where you looked, everyone could justify this, this idea, a <laughs> truth, but it's all conflicting. Right? So I just got to this place where I felt so overwhelmed with this idea of seeking truth, where I thought, you know what, there is no truth. There, the only, I'm like, the only truth that I believe exists is the the fact that that none of it is actually true like none of this nothing at all like whether you believe in x or believe in y or believe in z like i'm like none of it's true and my friend was like well no there's absolute truths and i was like i don't think so like i don't think there's any absolute truths anymore now i'm looking more on surface level right like whether or not like um 
whether the sun is good or the sun is bad, and we can talk about that for a concrete example in a moment, you know, or whether or not it's good to wear um, certain like chemical products or whether or not, you know, uh, smelling something is good or bad, like all these practical, just very simplistic things, right? Mm. But, you know, what's good and bad, what's right or wrong, what's good or evil in the world. And so my friend's like, oh, no, you know, there are absolute truths. Like it is an absolute. And I said, well, what are some absolute truths to you? Like universal across the board, like that you think is always consistent. And he's like, well, it is absolute truth that it is absolutely bad to kill somebody and to take a life, you know? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still not buying it. Like, I'm not saying it's okay to kill someone. I don't think it's good to kill somebody, but maybe I don't even know if this is true or not. Like maybe there's a culture that doesn't think it's a bad thing for certain circumstances. I don't know. All Mm. I know is, I don't know if you can speak to that, but I just, I got to this point where I started thinking that all the surface level, like all the things like of this world didn't seem like there was one truth, but yet we fight wars over this idea Mm. of truth and we lose friendships or we dismantle families. And there's so much, um, like, like just, hard emotional turmoil that we feel over this idea to cling so strongly to an idea of truth, if that Mm. makes sense. Yep. But yet all of it is not really essentially true. Yeah. And look, so you're actually speaking into your function and how so many people really just destroy their peace. And so think of this. With that example you gave about, you know, is the sun good or is the sun bad? Or is it, you know, is it, is it okay somewhere, somehow? Is it, is, it, is it universally a bad thing to kill someone? Or is there, you know, is there certain times when that might be all right? I just always go back to just the simple question. Do you have all the information? Do you have all the information in, in that situation? Do you have all the information about all the good things, the bad things about the sun and how that plays out? Do you have all the information about a particular situation where someone may have been killed? Do you have all the information that, that goes into that situation? And the answer is always going to be no, because what, what, what makes up all the information in that situation is all the information in the universe. And you, you just do not have that. So if you don't, and again, if you don't have all the information, how can you possibly judge the situation? And it's like, look at, look at our, our judicial process. You look at our, our legal process. Like you have a wise person we call a judge and then you know two teams come and stand before the judge and they argue their case. The judge listens for as long as he or she believes it's going to take for them to get all the information. And the judge can absolutely never have all the information. But as far as the judge is concerned, when he or she believes that they've got all the information, that's when the judge says, okay, I am now ready to give my judgment because I now have all the information. I can give an objective view and you're right, you're wrong. You know, I can make a judgment. And if you do not have all the information, how can you make a judgment? How can you decide something? How can you tell yourself this is good or this is bad? Like you just, you can just never do that. You just never, ever have all the information. So the idea that we're here to be able to judge like that's judgment is a function and that's not our function. We're not set up for that. We are fundamentally not set up to be able to ever judge truly. If you try and judge 100% of the judgments you make will be wrong because you just, you just don't ever have all the information. So you have one function and your function is healing. It's literally, we're here to heal. You're here to heal yourself. You're here to then help and heal others. And literally when people say, oh, that sounds a bit boring. Well, 
healing literally makes you whole to make you whole literally makes you a higher expression like a, a a far higher far greater energy than what you were before it makes you a better version of yourself it literally improves everything in your life and if you're looking for success and you're looking for abundance and you're looking for joy and you're looking for relationships it's it's healing that is the path it's literally uncovering and finding that true self that is the path to all of that all of that joy and that's our function we're literally here to do that for ourselves and then once we've done that for ourselves well then you've kind of got an idea about it and you're probably going to help others what in one way shape or form and that's our function that's literally what we're here to do we have one function and the idea that we have other functions beyond our one function of healing is the destructor of peace and so just to say that's really where you've kind of gotten yourself to where you're there looking at it going like now i'm stuck just going i just don't even think there is a truth anymore because just none of this makes sense like i can't determine what's good what's bad but it's like because i'm stuck in a loop of trying to judge if i'm stuck in a loop of trying to determine and absolutely know what's right what's wrong then mm -hmm. that's just not my function so think of this in in healing you have two plans you've got two potential plans for healing because you have two levels of mind. There's a level of mind we call the ego, the lower level of mind, and the higher level of mind you can call the thought system of your soul. Or you could call it the thought system of your higher power. Don't mind if you say God, don't mind if you say source, don't mind if you say universe, but there's, uh, there's two thought systems and they are fundamentally opposed at every turn. Now, sanity has to exist somewhere. So that means one thought system is sane and the other one, if it's fundamentally opposed, it must be wholly and completely insane. So it then just becomes up to you to decide that either God, universe, source is insane or the ego is. It's one of the two. And so we need to sort of make a decision as to which one we want to align with. And I, I highly recommend that you don't go and align with the ego, but if you do, then that's you, you, you have free will to do that. But the <laughs> ego's thought system is wholly and completely insane and its plan for healing is really complex because complexity is of the ego. So exactly what you described when you're saying there's all of these different experts and people and places and things, and they're all just literally telling me that what they know and what they say is true, but it's all conflicting. Like none of it's making sense. And truth is really simple. Truth is always really simple, really easy to grasp because it'll just give you peace. Complexity is of the ego. And so the, the plan for healing of the ego will always circle back on itself. It's always circular and it'll always bring you to some level of insanity, some impossible impasse, something you just can't get past, but the ego will still be there telling you like, no, 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 come back, come back. This is still right. We'll figure this out. You know? And so there's, I think most of our modalities, like there's a lot in our society that is just working from that level of the ego. It's from that level of mind that uh, is is following the ego's plan for healing and the only way that you can kind of step forward and actually heal via the other thought system like the, this thought system of truth is you would need to have experienced it first you would need to have experienced truth kind of found that peace found that freedom and then once you know what that is well then you can share it you can kind of give it away and if you haven't had that then you'll just be in the thought system of the ego. You'd be really well-intentioned, really well-meaning, but you'll find that there'll just be conflict. There'll be conflict in your thought and, and conflict in, you know, in, in, in your results. And you'll find that your results will just be inconsistent. Like you'll have some results, absolutely, because when you are really well-intentioned and well-meaning and caring and loving and you just really want to help, well, you'll find that every now and then you'll have this miraculous result because your intentionality has perfectly aligned up with the intentionality of the person who wants to heal. You want to help, this other person wants to heal, those intentions align and you can get a miraculous result. 
But if you notice as someone who works in a healing modality, if you notice that the consistency isn't there, that it's like a really amazing result every now and then, and then there's uh, just some iffy ones that don't really quite, you know, do what I was hoping. Well, then that's just pointing at the fact that it's work. You're working from that lower level of mind. There's something in that lower level of mind. that's just not aligned with truth. And it's not taking, it's not consistently delivering kind of free, peace and freedom in the body or for peace and freedom to these conditions. And that's, that's really, really simple. It's always just what will bring you peace. And it, that will be what's actually required. The aspect of truth will be individual. Like that's very individual. So when we say we're downloading an aspect of truth from knowledge, from that sphere of all the truth in the universe, each aspect that is downloaded will be unique and individual and will be what's needed in the moment, but it will be part of that whole. And so I think it's just when you, when you are having that moment of frustration and saying, I don't even know if there is truth anymore. Well, think of this. The truth is just what is. The truth is if there is a universe, well, there must be a truth to that. Like there is a truth about what the universe is and, and, and that's the truth. So if the universe is perfect, which it actually is, and that perfection exists beyond our perceptual awareness. Well, if the universe exists as a whole and it's a whole and it's changeless perfection, well, there must be a truth that corresponds to that. There'll be a truth that literally that speaks to that reality. And that's literally what we're talking about. You're just talking about that. That is the truth of what is. So is the sun good? Is the sun bad? No, the sun just is, it is what it is. And you know, is, you know, am, am I good? Am I bad? Like, no, I'm just, I just, I just am, you know, I am what I am. That's literally what it is. It's, it's literally that it's really, really simple to connect with. And when we just slow down and, and allow ourselves to just be with what is, then we can find the peace that's there and available in that moment. And there'll be a way to harness the sun. There'll be a way to, you know, avoid the sun as is necessary for you in the moment, but to sort of say it's good or it's bad would just be very dualistic um, and probably, missing whatever the actual absolute truth is in the moment. Right. I mean, and on some level, because we do have power um, to turn beliefs essentially into some form of reality, mm. I won't say truth, but reality, then essentially, let's just take the sun for example. I like really concrete examples for people listening. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, is it not then what you perceive and believe becomes your reality. So if you're like somebody who's so afraid of the sun and thinks it's super dangerous and you're always trying to hide from it and you get, you know, get if you're afraid and you freak out if you get too quote unquote too much sun, I mean, that essentially does then become your reality while mm. somebody else can love the sun and just think it feels amazing and just bless it and just bask in its radiance and warmth, you know, and they're going to have a totally different reality in, in this um, experience. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, but remember, this is the thing. The powerful one is you, the, you are the most powerful one. Your mind is the most powerful thing in the universe. You are the, the powerful one is you. Now, if you, if you align with truth and you will absolutely experience that. So we're talking about that, but Truth sets you free, gives you peace, gives you freedom, literally takes you to your very best self, very best life. Like Because the truth of who you are, truth of what you are, truth of who you are, that is where you'll be your very best self, where you'll have your very best life. That's where all you know, all your success, all your abundance, joy and fulfillment, all that stuff, that's where that will all, all come from, just being who you truly are. And you may not have any idea of who that person is because you may have been living from a level of just perceptual awareness about yourself for you know your entire life. But the powerful one is you. So if you buy into an illusion... If you buy into a falseness, well, you can 
absolutely experience the perceptual effects of that falseness, the, the perceptual effects of that illusion as if they were real because you give your power to it. You give your power to the illusion and you will absolutely go and create the perception that allows you to perceive that as if it was real. And so this is what we're saying before when we say that the way we dissolve illusions is just by looking at them without protecting them because you can feel those illusory effects. And so if you're dealing with, let's say you're someone, you're talking about the sun. Now, if you go out and if you're someone who says, has a belief, I do really badly in the sun. Like I just, it, it make I burn quickly. It makes me, you know, I overheat. And if, as soon as I go out in the sun, in a really, really short period of time, I, my body's going to start giving me feedback. If I hold that belief at a deep level, now I'm going to start getting feedback really quickly. I'm going to start perhaps feeling maybe nervous or I'll start maybe even starting feeling a little bit of nausea because I'm starting to think about things like heat stroke. And, you know, all those things will come to me sort of really, really quickly or potentially really, really quickly. Now, is that actually what's happening if my body was just neutral? If my body was just neutral about it, is would it be happening in the same amount of time? If I was, as you describe, a sun worshiper, you know, even if I was really fair skinned, would that would that be happening in the same amount of time? But if I give my power to the illusion that the sun is bad or that it's really harmful for me, well, absolutely, I will build the perception and my body will just start you know, giving me all that feedback and it'll feel really, really real. And, and you'll absolutely experience those perceptual effects. Now, there may be some, there, there may be an absolute level, there be, it may be an absolute level that you can actually tolerate. And people talk about solar calluses that you can build them up. Um, we know that if we play with if we play with full spectrum light, if we get out early in the morning and see and, and literally get all spectrums of light through the day, you will last way longer in the sun than if you just sort of walk out at midday. But there are people who literally exist. I mean, you think how did we evolve? We we evolved outside. We we evolved outside. You know, in in sunshine. Like we were we were able to tolerate it for long periods of time. So it's. The idea that we're somehow not able to do that must be coming from somewhere. Like we've we've adapted to living indoors, but have we lost the capacity? Have we really truly lost the capacity to be able to actually be out in the sun? Like, you know, or, or how much are we? How much is it in our belief system that the sun causes cancer or the sun literally causes you know Ill, Ill effects? And and then we we go and confirm that via the symptoms that we produce in the body. And and that's just something I see all the time. You will you can literally go and produce the physiological symptoms that correspond with what you believe and and mm -hmm. the body will absolutely go and do that so if you change what you believe you'll go and change the experience and then that shifts your reality that shifts the reality that you are experience, experiencing via your perception because mm -hmm. your body is literally giving you different physiological feedback having shifted the belief system right and so then we call that truth but it's not really absolute truth Yes, exactly. Well, then, so that's the thing. You're calling that, you're saying that is now my truth because, hey, look, I can stay out in the sun longer. But, well, hang on, is that what's actually true or is that just what I'm still, just what I'm experiencing? Like, okay, right. I, just, I can just be with what be with what is. Well, it shows a testament to how powerful the belief system is, which for me is why, okay, so this is for me why scientific studies on and with anything at all pertaining to humans and probably nature as well, because it's always shifting and always changing. But let's focus on humans here who have the ability to have belief systems. I can't, I can't like, I can't grasp the truth behind many studies for the sheer fact that within it, there is no, you can't have, um, all like only one variable in all other um, constants when you're mm. talking about a human and every human brings their own belief system and perception into the experience. Yep, absolutely. So, and I would say, and again, 
science gives us good information, but there's a mm. lot that science doesn't consider. And I think that's what you're speaking to. Yeah. And, and there's some things that there's some things for the mainstream scientific paradigm that there's some areas that are just uncomfortable. They're just uncomfortable because it's more, it's materialistic science. And so things like thought energy and things like energy consciousness are really uncomfortable areas that science doesn't want to look at. And you'll hear people say like, Oh, that's unscientific. Like that's done. We don't look at that. But I mean, if science is an approach to understanding, like there's, there's absolutely nothing that could ever possibly be unscientific because we're just exploring what is. So I remember there was a, there was a study, there was an experiment done and there's a woman who's a healer in the States by the name of Barbara Brennan. She was talking about working. Um, there was a, a, a psychic that she was, that was literally called in to do some work inside a Faraday cage. And a Faraday cage is a, um, is a device that literally blocks out all electromagnetic radiation. So it's kind of like, it literally blocks out all signals of anything and everything. Um, and she was literally working with, I can't remember the exact experience she was doing, but it was like literally working with someone in a Faraday cage. And they were, they were trying to observe this person, a, a capacity of some kind for this person. What I remember about the study that was just really striking, because it speaks about what we're talking about is that she said this, the, the two scientists who were, who were conducting the study were really skeptical. Like they really didn't like her as a skeptic and as a, as a psychic. And they were really skeptical about her ability to be able to change anything. And so she said she was aware that these two guys were coming in and just moving things around and changing things in that room when she was going out for a lunch break or going out to, you know, go and do something else. And she would, she would come back and she was able to perceive that the space had changed and that what that like their skeptical energy, as she called it, was in that Faraday cage and was influencing the results. And then thereby she was able to do less of whatever it was she was doing. And the two scientists just completely were not able to accept that she could even, you know, that she could even perceive that. And so they were denying that she'd even been in there, but to her, it was incredibly clear. And they just went back and forth because, you know, then, then the scientists kind of started playing with it going, well, now we're going to test it. Now we're going to go in there and see if she, you know, let's move another couple of things around because that, that can't be right that she could know that. And she was just getting really, really perturbed and agitated. And, and in the end, this other woman um, who wrote the book, um, Barbara Brennan, she ended up sort of coming in as the mediator and having to explain how perception works and explaining how high sense perception works. And, you know, that these the scientists are doing an amazing job, but this woman's just got some special abilities and she can actually tell. And like, the scientists couldn't accept that their belief system and their skepticism was influencing the experiment. And so this is what the, the psychic one was trying to keep out of the room because by them coming in, their belief systems and the energy consciousness of their belief system was coming in and influencing the results. And she just wasn't able to do everything she was she was trying to do. Um, but the scientists didn't accept that that was a thing. They didn't accept that that was possible. Mm -hmm. And so that made it really uncomfortable. And so I would just say there's a lot of our, like, um, I don't know of any scientific studies that kind of really take that into account, but we, we don't even take into account in science, the observer effect. And that's the observer effect in quantum physics is just that just the very nature of you observing anything affects that thing, the thing that you're observing, just the very fact that you are observing something can bring, can bring things into existence. And we don't even acknowledge that. We don't even acknowledge that just the scientist, just by the very fact that the scientist is there, that they're influencing the scientific experiment and we're not acknowledging like the thought system, the belief system, the energy consciousness of the people who are observing and witnessing, even if it's a, you know, a double blind study, the person's still there. They're still there. They're still holding their belief system and that has to be having an influence. And we're not, we're not paying attention to that. So 
that if we're talking about sort of getting real true like universal true information back then that couldn't be the way that you go about it so and i just think that's that's just something to you know be aware of like when you say we're talking about um how much does our belief system influence things well i think it's influencing things at a level that we're not even aware of it's it's influencing things in really right. profound ways yeah yeah that's what i that's what i feel too and and i think all oh, this is like kind of where where we get into this situation where you ha- you had mentioned away earlier you said it was the law of chaos where we have all these multiple truths where you're like well you have your truth and i have mine and they're different and i think we're just maybe misusing the word truth essentially because it's really more like hey, you have your belief and I have mine. Let's just agree to disagree Mm. because, which in a sense, I guess, in my opinion, is better than fighting over it. Like if I have family member who don't see things the same way as me, I'd rather be like, okay, you believe what you want. I'm going to live in my, like my belief over here, which to me might feel say more empowering. And I don't want to fight with you over it. So let's just like agree to just <laughs> agree to disagree. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, but you can actually just look at it like that's really honest is just to say like, okay, that's like the, we're dealing with, with conflicting belief systems here. Okay, cool. And then as soon as I can see that, and then if the truth is that we're all one, well, the truth is that we're all one and the universe exists in oneness. Everything exists in oneness. I always say you don't need, you have no need to go and sit on a mountaintop in Nepal or sit in a cave and in India and meditate for 20 or 30 years to try and fight to be one with everything in the universe. You're already one with everything in the universe. The only reason that you don't experience it is you just might not have built the belief system that allows you to perceive that. So you perceive yourself as this small separate individual, but the truth is you are in oneness with everything in the universe. Now, if you're prepared to accept that, well, you'll start feeling peace. Like you're literally that and peace will be the guide to truth. And you can explore that more and more. If you have individuals who have conflicting belief systems and which happens in families and relationships a lot, then, well, my function is not to judge. So I'm not here to judge that what you're believing is wrong and, and my function is not to correct. So uh, that's, that's not my job. My job is not to correct you and say, you're wrong, I'm right. Well, I can just hold love because if I live in that universe where everything is is one and everything is love, well... I can do that. I can just literally hold love for this person who's, you know, it might be in a moment of conflict because they're perceiving that their their belief system is being challenged. And so I can literally just hold love for that person. They might not be able to accept it, but I can just leave it sitting out there. Just so I can offer it, leave it sitting out there. And when they're ready to embrace it, it will they'll it'll be there waiting for them and it'll literally change the situation. And you'll find in those situations, and this is just such a cool, simple tip that anybody can do, is you don't need to judge the beliefs of others. You don't need to correct the beliefs of others because, again, the idea that we have other functions beyond our one function of healing is the destructor of peace. And everybody who's listening will have experienced that, trying to make corrections in the belief systems of others, and it goes badly. And you can literally just hold love. You can just hold love in your heart for those people. You don't have to go and give them a hug. You don't have to go and say, listen, I'm going to be the bigger individual. I know I'm right, but I love you anyway. Like that's not going to go well. You can literally just hold the intention for whatever real true love actually is and just leave that as leave that as an offering, an intentional offering. You're just leaving that for the person. When they're ready to embrace it, it'll be there and you'll find that conversation changes. You'll find that things soften. You'll find that people open up and all of a sudden you're actually able to have these more balanced and balanced discussions and you just don't find yourself in that, those levels of conflict. And it's so simple and all of us can do it. Mm. Yeah. I, I feel like that's more aligned to what I was saying when I said 
I'm just going to like release this attachment to truth, you know, Mm. when I said, I just don't, I'm just going to say there's like no truth. And I don't mean no absolute truth. I just mean like no truth in all this, all this Hmm. stuff that seems so that we make so important, but really, you know, isn't worth the fighting and the, the war and the, um, and the turmoil, it's just not worth it. You know, it's like you, and now with information overload, you can open up anything. You can open up your phone and go to YouTube or Instagram or, you know, podcasts. I know I have a podcast where I'm sharing messages, but sometimes you can be so overwhelmed with information. I call it sometimes noise because it's every single person bombarding you with the different perception and a different belief. And sometimes when you are seeking truth or understanding or maybe an answer or guidance or direction, like especially say if you are in a place where you're sick or unwell or in pain and you want to overcome that. So you seek this information, but you can find so much conflicting information. Hmm. It can be so overwhelming and you can be really like lost in that. And that's where I got to this point where I was like, I'm just detaching from all of it. I'm just going to go sit with myself and like literally just start noticing what feels good, what feels right, what feels blissful, what feels okay for me. And then just like explore that. Yeah. Good way to go. And that's the thing when you say like we're all in this conflict and there's people having wars and looking for fights. Well, if the universe exists in oneness, then we are all one. And that sounds like Mm -hmm. a cliche, but it's far more true than people realize. And so if we are all one, then people are running around looking for conflict and they're looking for others to fight with, but they can't actually find an adversary because we're all one. You're actually, and and in in truth, oneness cannot oppose itself. There's no resistance in oneness. So again, if I actually allow myself to just let peace be the guide, I can find that oneness and there is no resistance there. There's just flow. And there, there will be something that always brings me peace. You know, I can, I can look for war, but I can't actually find an opponent because there's only myself out there. <laughs> there's only, we're all one. So, you know, like, and, and that's the thing. Like if you look at, you look at warring individuals and there are people who, you know, war within themselves, people who war within families. And then, you know, even on, you know, uh, national and planetary levels, you know, there's, there's wars and conflicts, but if we're all one, you look at those same individuals, they're looking for an opponent, they're looking for an adversary and they're never satisfied because even if they win, they go looking for another one because they, they, on some deep level, they know they never actually found an adversary. They like, they've literally just, they're literally warring against themselves. And so that war, that conflict will continue. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we, if we just strip things back to the truth of what is truth is that everything is one truth is that, you know, we're, we're all, we all exist in oneness. There is this dynamic flow of, of perfection and, there's no resistance in that. I said like just that's so, so simple. Oneness cannot oppose itself and there will be aspects of truth. Again, you slow down, you can put your hand on your heart, you can go into heart coherence breathing, breathe in for six, breathe out for six. You can cross your ankles, you can cross your wrists, you can look for whole brain postures. There's all these different things that you can do to slow yourself down and then just become intentional about what you need in that moment. Become intentional about, okay, there's conflict in my family. There's a bunch of different people who've got some different beliefs here what's the truth? What's the, like, what do I need? What's the truth here? What's the truth here right now? What's the truth that sets me free? What's the truth that brings me peace? What's the truth that brings the family together? You know, and the truth may come in a feeling and you may find that you just all of a sudden have a new frequency that you can actually speak to the people in that group with. And all of a sudden you start to bring peace to the situation. You may find that you just have an awareness that you just look and just recognize like, oh, wow, there's just literally just 
conflicting belief systems, none of which are true. But these are beautiful, beautiful individuals who, you know, are actually in oneness with each other and can't see it. And so they think they're fighting against someone else, but like, oh, I, can't, I just feel like I've got an awareness of that now. Okay, I feel very much at peace with that. And now I can just go give love to all of them because that'll slow them down. And eventually they'll kind of come back to sanity, you know. And it's like you can slow down and ask for the truth in the moment and you will you receive on some level the aspect of truth that you need. And we And we all have a connection to it. And your frequency, or you know, some people call it a channel. Your your frequency may be more kinesthetic. You may you receive a feeling. You may sort of just have a feeling of love or peace or whatever it is that just slows you down. You may some people have an auditory high sense perception and they'll they'll hear words. Other people will have visual high sense perception and they'll see some words or they'll see a message or you know or some people have have an amazing brain that's wired to literally just. Um, pick out the synchronicities that are that involved that are in any given moment as in you're walking down the street and there's a billboard that just catches you know it's in the corner of your visual field and the words on the billboard have meaning for you you know and that that information will always be there you know and it's always 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 available but we have to slow down and actually become intentional about asking for it when you slow down and and you know get still truth will always be found in stillness peace is the guide become intentional about it and you can actually receive the messages that you need that kind of set you free or just release you from the situation. I love it. You really do make it sound so simple. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So truth truth is sim- complexities of the ego. And so the ego wants to separate. The ego wants to separate absolutely everything. So at lower level of mind, it wants to separate, it wants to analyze and it wants to pull everything apart. It'll tell you that you can get you to truth and get you all the answers by pulling everything apart and analyzing every single little piece and trying to get all the information about every single little piece. And it'll always tell you, even though it's not making you happy, not giving you any level of calm, it'll still tell you, no, no, this is the right path. We'll find it. We'll get there. We haven't done it yet, but we'll get there. And you think if you're going to pull things apart and analyze every little piece, well, exactly what we said before, that little part does not explain the whole, but Mm. the whole explains the part. So if you're going to try and separate and analyze things and just really focus, you know, really over-focus on one tiny little piece and really try and go deep, trying to get as much information about this one little piece of a situation so you can try and get all the answers, well, that little part that you're looking at cannot give you the meaning to the whole situation. But the whole, as in what's going on in the universe or the whole situation, can explain that little part, can explain the moment. So it's the same thing on an individual level. Like if you look at the body and we can say something like the appendix or the gallbladder or or an organ that we just feel is kind of surplus to requirements and we can just pull out and remove, like you can't get the meaning of the appendix or the gallbladder just by looking at the appendix or the gallbladder. Because it's just an organ, and the way that we've gone to try and understand it is, we you know we we dissect them, we pull them out out of bodies, and and we we you know cut them up and look at them, and we try and understand how we think you know fluids are flowing through them, and we try and understand what we think the function is just by looking at that one part. But it's the body, it's the whole body that explains the entire function of the appendix or the gallbladder and you can't get the true meaning of everything that it does until you have the meaning of everything in the body when you have all of the emotions and full understanding of all the emotions all the thoughts and full understanding of them all of the physicality of the body and full understanding of all of that then you can understand that okay there's the lymphatic system ah oh, the appendix actually has a role within the lymphatic system 
ah, the gallbladder is actually connected to the emotional system and it really hangs on to rage and anger and wow, okay, right. Once we can actually start to see how that fits within that whole, then we can get the meaning of it. And it's exactly the same thing in our life. If we're trying to analyze and trying to analyze these little details of information in a given situation, thinking that's going to take us to truth, well, you lose the totality. You lose the totality of the entire situation. You can never understand the truth because you're just focusing on this one little piece that just can't give you the meaning. So that's that whole thing of just slow down, get still, ask the bigger picture, ask the bigger picture, right, what is the information that connects me with this truth in, the, in this moment? Like, okay, what is it? And again, it'll be a thought, it'll be a feeling, it may be words, it may be someone comes and taps you on the shoulder and randomly says some words to you and that's a synchronicity that just gives you meaning or just gives you peace in that moment. And it's just whatever it is that just literally slows you down and brings you back to peace, that's the path. That's the path that'll get you there. I love this so much. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay, so we're talking about all this. You make it sound simple. To be honest, as you just talk about it, I feel peace. And the reason why is because when you can just, when I listen to you and I think it's possible to just detach from all of this, like you said, to detach from the need to analyze um, or pull it all apart, the need to judge or the need to um, correct, that feels peaceful. Mm -hmm. And you said peaceful, peace is the guide. Like mm -hmm. just releasing all of that alone feels peaceful. Absolutely. So then, so now you're speaking into, now we're, now we're zeroing in, Chasma. So now, now we're speaking into time because the only time that you can get truth is now because the only time is now. So when we talk about the illusion of time, the past is not a real thing. The future is not a real thing. And again, like we said, perception is really limited. It's really partial. You're only ever, ever, ever perceiving just a fraction of a percentage of the information in any situation. You record that to memory. And then when you look at it in your memory, well, you've already made decisions about it. You've, you've perceived something that's in alignment with your belief system you decided that a situation was bad or was harmful and then you recorded it to memory. And because you now believe that that event was bad or harmful, when you look at it in your memory, well, now you're only going to be able to go and find the reasons that make that bad or harmful because that's what you, that's your perception can only operate in the space that your belief system gives it to operate in. So when you look at your memory, you're just looking at fragments. You're looking at fragments of moments. You're not looking at the whole situation and it's not available, it's not available in the past. The only time it's available is right now. So the past is not a record of anything real. For that reason, we say the past is an illusion because it's not true. And the future is literally a collection of projections. And those projections are made from all of the information that gave us an understanding of the past. So we look to, and this is the way the lower level of mind works. It looks to try and understand the past, see if we can figure out what happened in the past and then once we think we know what's happened in the past, then we try and make predictions and say, ah, now we can prepare for the future. Great. And really all we're doing is we're just trying to make a bridge out of the present moment. We're just squashing the present moment into this teeny tiny little moment, putting a bridge over it, and then just trying to bridge as much of the past as we can, get it into the future and recreate the past there. And we just stay stuck in a loop and just stay stuck in this pattern. And that comes from that lower level of mind and going through the world, like we said, going through life and literally learning the world via limitation. And you think how, how you learn, you come into this world, you're really limitless, you're a child, you're innocent, you've just, you have no limitations placed on you, you're happy, you, you know, and 
people talk about little kids having higher sense perception and that people, you know, kids being able to see things in different dimensions and having all these different abilities. But you come, it's like a filter coming into this world. You come into the atmosphere of belief of this world. And, you you know, I, I always remember my little son because my youngest child, I was more in this space and more aware of things. And I was more aware of kids having these different abilities. And I used to change his nappies when he was really little. And it was a phenomenal number of times he would start pointing at things and going, look, look, dad, the man, the man, there's a man. And he was absolutely convinced he's looking at something. I have no idea what he was saying because I wasn't seeing it. But the typical thing for a parent to do is just say, oh, no, no, mate, there's nothing there. It's fine. No, 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 you're safe. There's nothing there. It's okay. And, and then I'm buying him into my belief system. I'm buying him into my belief system of limitation. And maybe he had some level of ability there that if I go and do that, I go and shut it down. And that's typically what we what we do. But you think you go through the world learning via limitation. You learn all the things you can't do. You fall over, you work out something's not good or something's not helpful. And you, you think, okay, I can't do that. Can't go into that space. This doesn't work for me. You know, we, we literally just have a whole world set up around by learning through pain and learning through limitation. And people defend that again, Again, we'll, we'll keep all the illusions and all the limitations that we're prepared to give support and nurturance and protection to. And people will tell you, people celebrate pain and they really want it. And they'll tell you that, you know, that pain is your greatest teacher. And yeah, you can absolutely learn through pain, but you have no need to learn through pain. There's no need to learn through that. You can learn through happy learning. We can literally learn through healing and that makes you whole, makes you happy. And that makes you limitless. It's a very, very different experience and you you, you reach a very different end. So when you've learned the world through limitation and you've just literally been in time because that means you're trying to figure out, you're trying to gain an understanding of everything that's happened in the past so you can make preparations for the future and kind of, you know, be prepared. But literally that just keeps you stuck in that same level of capacity and literally keeps you stuck in a loop. So truth is available in that present moment. It's the only time that is actually real. It's the only time that we can actually connect with truth so one way of saying it and this used to completely bend my mind i remember hearing this years ago when i remember hearing quantum physicists saying look at the the entire rest of the universe operates in an eternal present moment it's just here on earth that we operate in linear time and i used to think like that i just can't get my head around that but it's like to say that when we talk about eternity you can say eternity is an idea of your higher power an idea of god an idea of source an idea of the universe and that's what that's what the universe exists in it. it exists in this eternal present moment which we which is eternity and here we see a past and we see a future but the only aspect of time that has any link to eternity is now and your higher power only makes real things so that would be to say that if eternity is real it's an idea of the higher power then the the only aspect of time that has any link to anything real would be right now would be the present moment now the only way you can get truly 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 present is to let go of the past and to let go of the future and sink into that present moment and that is the only time that healing can occur and healing is just released from the past it's released from all of those limitations it's it's released from all of the falseness and it's you think all of your anxiety and your fears and your worries they all exist in the future future's not even real it's not even here but then people are living their whole life just prisoner to the fear. All of your worries and all of your guilt and all of the shame and all of that stuff that just keep us locked in limitation, all that exists in the past. It's not even real. You can literally let all of that go 
And if you can accept that the only time that you can actually be truly real, be your real true self, which is your very best version of self, have your very best life, the only time you can do that is right now. Well, to be able to do that, you would fundamentally have to let go of the past. And if you fundamentally have to let go of the past to be real or be with truth, well, then you think about it. You couldn't have judgment. Judgment couldn't exist. Judgment cannot exist without the past. If you can't have judgment, then you can't condemn something, someone else for having done something wrong. So now guilt doesn't exist. So now you're no longer guilty of anything. You're not feeling shame. You're not feeling worry. You can't have, and if all of a sudden you can only be present, well, there's nothing to fear. Like check in, are you safe now? Do you feel okay now? Like all of these future worries and fears, they disappear because all of a sudden you're just present. So the only time you can actually get truth is now. The only time you can connect with anything that is real is now. And we've just gone through the world learning via limitation, learning via that lower level of mind that decides that it needs to have understanding and needs to be able to have that information to be able to do life. But you just never learned that you could actually just ask for truth now and get the answers that you need. And when you begin to learn that, will you really begin to set yourself free? So how would you suggest for people who are listening to this right now, if they're like, okay, but how do I like, I, they're like, I want to <laughs> release all this. I, that sounds amazing. I want to be there, Scott, but how, how do I just let it all go? How do I get into this now moment? Like yeah. you mentioned heart coherence, but yeah. what other suggestions do you have? First thing? So just acknowledge, acknowledge how powerful you are and acknowledge how powerful you are in healing and you'll know it think of all that you've created in your life if you're dealing with if you've ever dealt with anxiety or depression or if you've ever dealt with pain or you've ever dealt with any of these things that are fundamentally an imperfection and the truth is the universe is perfect well then that the truth of the truth of what is is the perfection which would mean that if something's imperfect that can't be truth that can't be the truth because it's not part of the perfect universe so we can dissolve all that and this is something that I see in healing all the time. And the reason we're able to go and do it is because you're so powerful. And so you think of this, the brain, it's a simple cliche. It's something that a lot of people have heard and understand, but perhaps have just never really appreciated and utilized is the brain doesn't know the difference between real or an imagined stimulus. It can't tell the difference. Like You can create an imagined scenario that your body will respond to in, in absolutely in a true sense. It'll respond to as if it's 100% real. And we have scientific studies that back up with neuroplasticity on how the brain changes itself based on, on experiences in meditation. Like we've seen this, there's lots of studies. I talk all the time about you know, studies with piano players and giving people specific music where they're literally playing more notes with the left pinky finger and the people that actually went and played the music went and built new capacity and built out new neuronal connections in the area of the cortex that, that actually correspond to that left pinky finger. But then the same music was given to people to just go and meditate on and go and meditate on playing it. Don't touch a piano. Don't even look at a piano. Just go and meditate on playing these notes. And they built out more neuronal connections, not quite as many as the ones who actually went and practiced, but really like 1% less. Like they literally went and built nearly the same amount of connections in that corresponding brain area. Same thing, same thing with free throws. There was a study done on people doing, uh, on shooting free throws and practicing and people who went and shot free throws um, and practiced it over and over again, actually improved by like 24%. 
people who did no practice, didn't do anything, didn't improve at all. And the people who went away and meditated on, on doing free throws improved by 23%. And so you can literally build the capacity. You can build the brain that will, that will give you this function, that will give you that life, that will literally, you know, make you that person because the brain doesn't know the difference between real or imagined stimulus. So you can literally go and dissolve all of these things. You can go and dissolve the past. You can dissolve the future. And you think when you've, if you've felt fear, felt anxiety, felt depression, that's because you're so powerful. You were able to make that. You were literally able, your, you, your brain, you being so powerful, if you bought into the illusion of imperfection, you absolutely 100% will have experienced those negative effects as if they were real because you're so powerful. As soon as you bring it into your awareness that the truth is that everything is actually perfect and the truth is that peace is the guide that gets you there, well, then you can actually ask what the truth is. You can just start to imagine on that. You don't have to know what it is. You can literally just bring that feeling of peace into your awareness and begin to start to imagine on that. Every moment you spend imagining that what, what that peace and what that perfection might be is you're building the body that's going to give you the perceptual feedback and the experiential feedback to that new reality. And you can literally change the chemical signals in your body. You can change the hard wiring in your brain. You can literally change everything just via imagination. And, and you don't even have to know exactly what it is, but you can set the intention. You pay attention to the guides. And in that moment, even if you can only perceive 1%, 5%, if 10% of your perceptual awareness in any given moment is peaceful, you can choose. It's what you give importance to. It's what you give importance to that will direct where your attention and where your energy goes. And if you give importance to truth and give importance to peace, well, then your attention and your energy will go there and you'll begin to build out the neuronal connections. You'll begin to make the chemical signals in the body that, that then begin to confirm for you via your perception that what you believe is right. And you'll get more and more and more of that. And all of a sudden you start to find yourself building this really peaceful reality. Yeah, absolutely. I've witnessed the magic of that myself. It's funny though how we can know something it, and that it, it's simple. It's so simple to do, right? And it mm. doesn't we don't have to sit there for, you know, 10 hours a day doing this. It's mm. little by little that adds up. But it's funny how hard it is sometimes to um to commit to doing the things that we know yield the biggest results. Mm. But again, it just comes back to what you give importance to. Yeah. And and you yeah. can do, you can do that via intention. You need to sit down and just say, "Okay, wait a minute. What do I want to give importance to?" Because things aren't working out for me right now, which means I must be giving some importance to some stories, some narratives, some mm -hmm. false thoughts somewhere. Like I must be giving importance to those things because that's where my attention just seems to gravitate, seems to go to just whatever's worst. So what do I want? Okay, well, I want my best life. I want my best life. I want my best self. I want peace. Or I just want freedom. Always think you want something fundamental, something that's universally true. Okay, peace, freedom, love, abundance. Like, okay, great, those things. I don't need to populate the picture. I don't need to say, okay, I want a house with a lovely wife and two kids and I need a good job and I need a car. And it's like, if I'm, if I'm trying to populate the picture with material things and with specifics, well, that, that's not where that information wants to come from. You have this limitless level of mind that's connected to all the information in the universe. You want that level of mind to fill the picture in. You, you don't want to be the one because you can only populate that picture and fill it in from your memory and experience and what you've experienced in your lifetime. And if you haven't experienced all that peace and abundance and joy, well, you just don't have the information in that level of mind. So 
you can set the intention. You can literally just set the intention for something that is universally true, something that's fundamentally true, peace, love, abundance, joy, togetherness, whatever it is, you can set that intention. Say, that's what I want. I want to give importance to that. And I'm going to start imagining a picture. I'm going to start imagining the feelings that would go with that existence. And I might just start with that. And then anything that comes up that tries to take my attention back to pessimism or back to pain or back to anxiety or whatever, I can literally look at that and say, actually, you know what? Thank you. You know, thank you, old feelings, old thoughts, but no, thank you. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to spend some time in, in my feelings of freedom right now. No, sorry. That's where I'm going to stay with. And you, if you give importance to the freedom or you give importance to your desire, that's where your attention will go. So you need to just actually recognize that the only reason your attention goes to those other things is because you give importance to them. On some level, you've made them important. And you can hear this in the words of people all the time when we start talking about why, how it is and why it is that fear is completely an illusion. It's not actually real. Like it's not, fear is not actually a real thing. And I dissolve this all the time and it kind of blows people's minds. But when, when we talk about that, then we say fear is not real, people will support it and they'll defend the illusion. They'll defend the limitation by saying, no, but you need fear. No, 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 no. Fear keeps me safe. Fear's, fear's a good thing. And it's like, no, fear literally destroys your body. Fear locks you in limitation. Fear like keeps love out away from your life. You know, it keep, keeps out. It keeps you know. It literally keeps you away from your dreams. You know, and it's there's nothing good that fear does for you. Like you, you have reason. You could just apply reason to a situation. You wouldn't need to mm-hmm. be fearful. You could just right. literally just apply reason. And you know, so when we when when we do that, when we literally just become intentional about what we want to give importance to that's when things can really begin to change. And yeah, you can practice it and you can strengthen it just like a muscle, but you know, give importance to your desire, choose only for your desire. That's the simple advice. You give importance to your desire, choose only for for your desire. And when those negative feelings come up, like, no, sorry, I choose peace. No, thank you. No, thank you. Going back to peace. And that's literally it. Yeah. And over and over and over again at first, yeah. maybe if you well, need to. Just do it now. Maybe. Yeah. Just, just do it now, and now, and, and now. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I think this is a really great, great way to end it. I would be able to talk to you all night and ask you millions of more questions and pick your brain because I think you're fascinating. Um, but I think that this is like a brilliant, like way to just close it, and just yeah, just you make it that like it sums it up and it makes it so simple and it doesn't. And there's no part of me that it feels complicated. It's like I've that's the most simplistic, just obvious explanation ever, which is just what you like give importance to. Yeah, it is. And it's like as you say, truth is really simple, complexities of the ego. And if you're wondering what it is, well, only truth is true. And it's like it's a really simple so it's like, oh, uh, only truth is true. Okay. Well, that's it. Anything else? That's, uh, anything else outside that is just not. I can dismiss that. So, uh, I'm really grateful, Chasma. Thank you so much for giving giving us the opportunity to chat again. And and I would extend my gratitude to anybody who's listened this far into the episode because I feel like just where things started was more at that general level of awareness and far more sort of you know ideological and sort of conceptual sort of level. And if you've stuck with it this far. I really hope you've kind of got some takeaways and you're able to sort of start applying some of this, you know, some, just some of this truth into your life and, and then experience the change. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you again. You're a wise soul, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And I appreciate you. Um, Equal gratitude. Gratitude is completely mutual. All right, y'all, that's a wrap. I really hope that you found this episode as powerful as I did. And I know this is going to be one that I personally listen to many more times to come. I get something new out of it every time I listen, like I already said. And if you did enjoy this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and or on your social media. And if you are tuned into Apple Podcasts right now, scroll down to leave a five-star rating and a quick review to help me get this message to more people who need to hear that healing is possible. Also, you may have noticed that I didn't give a weekly challenge yet in today's episode. So if you made it this far, I really want this week's challenge to be so simple. I just want us to take a pause and find presence. Whether you do that with heart coherence or breath work or a mantra, orienting, or even meditation, whatever's your jam, whatever supports you to bring you back into this now moment, do it and give yourself the greatest gift of all, the present of presence. Lastly, today does wrap up the last episode of season two. So we have officially made two years in the books. We are going to start season three out with a mini series of testimonials to bring back that hope and possibility and remind us through people's personal experiences, what is possible. I have three wonderful guests who are going to share their amazing and inspiring healing stories. So please make sure you click subscribe so that you do not miss these awesome stories where we have courageous guests bringing us this inspiring hope and possibility in the coming weeks. And with that said, you guys, until next time, make this week great.